Episode 18 is here. This is Power Move Parker, and 18 episodes in. I guess when I get to episode 20, we're going to have to have a little celebration, maybe switch things up or do something, but I've enjoyed the fans chiming in. I've enjoyed this journey so far, and obviously I'm still trying to uh, find my way into the business, and there's some opportunities that have come up that... uh, that are still opportunities, still available opportunities. I just don't know where they'll lead. Uh, none of them are like full-time things just yet. So I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm trying to get my voice out there. But I appreciate the journey. I appreciate the fans. And the reason I say this is because today I interview one of my closest fans, one of my first fans, really my first fan ever, my biggest fan, the reason I do what I do. I interview her Today, it was her 80th birthday not that long ago, but the reason I say this is because anybody that wants to set up an interview, please just contact me. Uh, we can talk sports. That's the main thing. If you have anything to know about sports and you just want to talk and you want to uh, just tell me what your interests are, and I'll come up with questions, and we can we can have a little conversation or an interview type thing, and we can put you on the podcast because I really want people to have a voice on this podcast. That's kind of my thing is... Um, you know, the guests are going to be people that I know that just, uh, that love sports and she loves sports the most about any person I know. And so, like I said, she's the reason I do what I do. I interviewed her a couple days ago and now it's finally, you guys are finally getting to hear it. So I want to send it to our interview I did with her and, uh, she's a huge Rockets fan. She's a huge, uh, you know, she's a huge sports fan. She just, she's, like I said, she's one of our, my first ever fans. So um, I'm going to send it down to our interview right now. All right, this is Power Move Parker here. Episode 18, I believe. Already on episode 18. Yeah, just did episode 17. So yes, this is episode 18 here today. And I actually have a very special guest. Probably the most special guest. Because it's my number one fan uh, I don't want to say my uh, I don't want to say my oldest fan because it might turn out it might not age too well. But you get my point. You were the you were my first, probably one of my first fans. And I'm not talking about age and being the oldest fan. I mean just because you you know you were one of the beginning fan people. But this is my my grandma. I call her Mama, but her name is Faye Ray, and she is a huge Rockets fan. She's the reason I I love sports. And it was her birthday. She turns 80 years old. She is. She's making it up. She's. She's still. She's still kicking. Still. Still uh, walking around. So I had. I got the uh, pleasure of sitting down with her. And first off, I just want to introduce you, uh, Momo. How are you doing? Just fine, Parker. How are you today? We're, I'm glad that you came over to visit with me a while today. I'm really enjoying it. Yes, it's been. We've talked about a whole lot of things, and this. This is where it gets to the. This is the good. This is the stuff we like talking about. We talked about a whole lot of life things. Now we're getting into sports, which is what me and you like to do. As far as the as far as the Houston Rockets go, that's kind of our main thing. That's kind of how we've bonded. Uh, so let's just get started on that. I know you you've been around. You've seen a lot of good Houston Rockets teams. And I I know without I know without a doubt, if I had to say who your favorite player was, it would probably be Hakeem Olajuwon. I know you probably have some old uh, random players that you followed. Is there any other players that maybe uh, a lot of people don't know about that you on the Rockets that may have stuck out to you back in the day? Well, back in the team where, where we had uh, Reed and all those players at that time, 
they were just a good. I can't think of a lot of them's name yeah. right now, but it, it was a good time. The thing I've seen Parker that's changed. One of the biggest things I've seen change uh, from the teams back then of when Rudy Tomjanovich and Larry Bird and all those guys played. When they came out on the court to play a game, they they shook hands. They acknowledged the other team. But you didn't see them going over them and give them that butt slap and, and you know, mm. huddling with them and, and cutting up. It, it, it was a, a game and a job, and they came there to, to take it. And when you came in their territory, it was just a lot different than being called the way it is today. If you came in through the middle where our big guys were, you can expect that there's going to be lots of elbows around uh, protecting the goal and stuff. And you, you couldn't be a, just a softy about it. You had to be tougher than what it is today. And all of that, a lot of that goes back to how they call the game today. You really can't do those things because you'll get penalized. But it's a lot different. Yeah. I think I think it's a good I think it's a good point. I guess I just I guess we should have kind of gone back to this because you've 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 obviously you grew up playing basketball and that was kind of your go-to sport. But what was the what was the first thing that you picked up a basketball and you're like, wow, I really like this whole thing about sports. I'm really into it because a lot of girls probably back in your time or just in general just didn't really gravitate to sports. Still, I mean, you know, today more and more girls are kind of yeah. opening up to the idea of sports and everything, but um, you know, back in your time, there wasn't really just a lot of girls your age that wanted to go out and play sports. Yeah. So what was it like being that type of, you know, female athlete growing up? I know you played, you, you know, you played high school and stuff, but what was it like being a person who liked sports being a female? Well, yeah, I guess it went to the fact that I had an older brother and I lived in an area where uh, a lot of my neighbors were, were kids were boys and I guess I was a bit of a tomboy because I always liked to, if they were having a game, I liked to be in the middle of it because I felt I could do as good as they, they were. Mm-hmm. And so I could screw up playing it all the time. And then we had it in school offered as a... And, uh, I guess an elective or elective, an optional. Yes, yeah, an option to do. And, we, uh, you know, you got to go on trips and tournaments and all that. Uh, and I just... A lot of times I say, if I had not had basketball, I might not have gone to school. Mm-hmm. That was just the only reason you wanted yeah, to go. A lot of days I thought, well, you know, if I didn't have basketball practice to go to and a game we play every Tuesday and Friday night, I, there wouldn't be much to school, even though I did well in school. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't my fo- focus. Basketball was my focus. That's cool. I really do think that's awesome that that kind of started it. Because, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, sometimes people think girls are supposed to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. But there's all types of different people, these different, you know, different genders. They do their own thing. And that's kind of for a lot of people nowadays is sports is the only reason they get up. And that's the only reason it kind of drives them to do, you know, you had to do well in school so you could play basketball. Right, right. It motivated you to, to get on the right track. And it kind of gave you that purpose. Which is really cool. So, we talked a little bit about the old days and uh, Akeem and those players back in the day that you watched. But what was it like? Now, going back to focusing on, I guess, the Akeem part of it in the championship years 
in 94 and 95. What was it like being part of the the fan, like being a fan of the Houston Rockets during that time period? Because, you know, I was born in 96. I haven't seen the Houston Rockets win an NBA championship my entire life. You know, people my age, younger than me, that are Houston fans weren't around for that time. So coming from you, who's watched a lot of basketball, what was it finally like, finally like to have your team win it those back-to-back years? Oh, it, it was really great because we just never thought that it would really happen, that it really would happen. And uh, then it just happened back-to-back. It was just really a great time, really a great time. Yeah. Uh, what, is there something that stuck out to you about Hakeem's game that you're like, wow, this guy – really might be the one of the best players ever when you started watching him because now people look back on him and say wow he really was that good but at the time you had to have some kind of like there's no way he can be this good but yeah. it turned out he was that's right he, I, I guess the most fascinating thing to me about Akeem was his footwork and that came from the fact that he had a soccer background mm-hmm. and he could just do things with his feet and movement that could just leave you in his dust it just, uh, he was just amazing. It was, for a big guy, it was really hard to, It's kind of. it was kind of hard to see a big guy do things that he was That's doing. Right. That's right. Um, as far as, as far as now, the Rockets, obviously, like you said, players have changed. It's, it's more about the money. It's more about the just being friends and being buddy-buddy and social media. There's a whole lot of things that yeah. have changed from when you started watching to now, but um, as far as the state of the Rockets, led by James Harden, you know James Harden, great player, but do you do you ever see? Because I've been pretty critical of him, and I know you have too. But do you ever see? Is there is there a way that James Harden can actually step up and be the guy that Houston fans want him to be? It seems like they put him on a pedestal, and I just don't think he. he I just don't think he ever lives up to the hype. Is that wrong? Is that kind of how you feel? That's exactly how I feel. I, I think he is a great player, but he's a one-dimensional player is the mm-hmm. way I see it. He, he has that ability to make those long shots on some nights. He's not consistent with that. And then that one-on-one, that just isolating ball, I just do not like that I know you're not like a fan that of that. At all. I like the ball movement. I like it to go from side to side and until you get the right shot and everybody moving. As much as I dislike the Warriors, I they really do that really like well. Their, the Spurs too. The way they play, they're in the move. They're in a, a movement all the time. Yeah. There's no standing around. Our guys come down and two, one gets on each side in the corners and stand there and waits to see if he's going to pass the ball. And I, you know. I, I like him. I, I hope he does well, and I wish he could get a ring. But the way he plays ball, I, he doesn't have the, the drive and fire that I feel like you have to have. Like talking about Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, as much now. Obviously, we'll get to the the style of play for Russell Westbrook in a minute, and how it may still be that you know dribble, 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 mm-hmm. ISO ball. But if you're talking about drive, fire, and motivation to win, Russell Westbrook is the, the fieriest guy there is. That, that's, you know, we had that in our, our little Beverly for a while. Yes, Beverly. He, he, was a, he was a good player for us, and he had that fire and determination that I see in Russell Westbrook. I don't like his temperament most of the time. He really can't control it. But on the other hand, 
he goes out there to give you all he's got. Uh, so I'm hoping that they really can play together. I'm really hoping that we can see good things. Uh, and uh, it would be great yeah, if it, they could take that next step. Just one more, uh, you know, to see, to, still, to witness one more, one more time, championship one would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where Russell Westbrook, he's a fiery guy. I think he brings the emotion. But uh, I, I don't know. It, you know, you spend a lot of time watching him. Well, I mean, the Dan Tony system in general. Do, do you just ever think that if, if the Rockets don't change, if they don't change anything at all, and they just continue playing, and they basically just slide in Russell Westbrook where Chris Paul was the last two years, do you ever think the Rockets can get over the hump? Because it just, to me, it seems like the same problems are going to keep coming That's up. That's right. That's right. No, I don't think unless they make some change and let Russell Westbrook be the player that he is. And his game is not to just stand there. His game is to drive and and be moving. And, and I just I don't know how it's going to work out, Parker. I really don't. But it's going to be fun to, to watch and see if we can. Exciting basketball. Exciting basketball. It'll be exciting basketball. I think it will. Well, Mama, it's it's eighty it's eighty years. It's been eighty years in the book. Um, another eighty years to go, no. <laughs> as they say. But uh, hey, uh, it's been it's been awesome. If there's anything you can say to maybe people out there that are in the that are that are interested, or just you know just in life in general, is there any little bit of wisdom if you had to share with anybody? Because we at my podcast, we don't just talk about. Uh, you know, we don't just talk about sports all the time. We do talk about actual things that are going on in life and situations like that. Is there any little bit of wisdom you can say from just living 80 years of life on planet Earth that you may want to share with somebody? Well, I, I don't know. I just have to look back, and, and I went through a lot of different stages. The years that I've lived, there's a lot of changes that have been made, and I've seen a lot of but I guess the most important thing for me, and you know that, that it's just family and and be nice mm-hmm. to the people that you're around and uh, just enjoy showing love to someone because love's the greatest thing. You, after, you all, can, after everything, if you can love, love right. on people. That's right. Oh, that's good. And I have really enjoyed being with you, Parker. You know how I love you. Yeah. And... Uh, I wish you well every day. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, I know I did. It was fun hearing from her, and I'm glad she's in town, and hopefully I get to see her soon. This episode is um, going to be mainly mainly wrestling, <clears throat> mainly wrestling, mainly football, and maybe maybe a little bit baseball, but not a whole lot of baseball, because football season is right around the corner so I'm starting to see tweets from players I'm starting to see things pop up I guess while we're on while we're on uh basketball still from my mama she was talking a lot of basketball I guess I'll go ahead and get some more basketball news out of the way and really there's only just uh there's only two things on the docket for basketball so I'll start with this Jeremy Lin the former Rocket Lin Sanity for some of you guys know um, he's uh, He was on the Raptors last year, won a championship, but now he's a free agent, and he can't find someone to sign him. Well, this is what he says in his home. 
in his home country of Japan, he's over there saying, um, I hit rock bottom. And I didn't expect to hit rock bottom, but I'm here. And he's talking about being, uh, being unsigned in free agency. And he starts to cry and he says, you know, the only thing about rock bottom is you can go up. That's what they say here in America is that you, when you hit rock bottom, you can't go any further up. Well, he's talking about how he still feels like he's never going to get out of rock bottom. And he's just going to keep sinking, keep sinking, keep sinking. This is actually a pretty good life lesson for really anybody. But especially in sports, in the sports industry, sometimes you do feel like you've hit rock bottom. And sometimes you do feel like there is nowhere to go. But Jeremy Lin has already made a huge impact. And I don't really, you know, him whining and things like that, I'm not a big fan of. But I know what he's saying, and he's being honest, and he's being truthful, and he's back in his home country of Japan. And, you know, he's, he's being honest with his really close fans, the fans that really idolize him. And even if Jeremy Lin doesn't do anything else in his career, he's an NBA champion, and you can't take away that. He also had Lin's sanity in New York. Those two weeks of Lin's sanity were great. It's a lot like when Tim Tebow was in Denver for not that very long and he took them to the playoffs and you know he had that he had that game where he threw for 316 yards and wore John 316 on his little you know on his little eye patches things and you know I think Jeremy Lin and Tim Tebow are pretty close to similar I mean both those guys really didn't do a whole lot at the professional level I mean Tim Tebow he he sputtered out he didn't really last that long he could have probably been a better um, special teams player slash tight end type guy. He wasn't really a good quarterback. Uh, Jeremy Lin had his moments in New York where he just captivated, you know, Lin's sanity and Tebow mania are very similar. And they both captivated people. One captivated Asian, Asian people and the other captivated Christians and people who just love, uh, you know, the faith that Tebow demonstrated. And also Jeremy Lin's a man of faith too. Both those guys both um, talk about their faith uh, a lot. And so... You know, it's pretty cool to see guys like that succeed. And if they hit rock bottom, it's sad, but just know what they did and know what God used them. God put him in the NBA, and and God put Tebow in the NFL, and he was a Heisman Trophy winner, and he did a lot of cool things. And then God also used him in the NFL to do the 316-yard thing and the John 316, and a a lot of people Googled that verse right after he, he had that crazy game. In the playoffs, by the way. And Jeremy Lin's an NBA champion, so it's not like they haven't done anything. And so those guys just need to appreciate what they have done. And that's kind of where I am in life, too. The reason I say this is because I'm kind of like Jeremy Lin sometimes. Sometimes I feel like, oh, man, I've hit rock bottom. Oh, no, it's so sad. But then I look around, and I'm like, wow, I really am blessed. I have a lot of good family. I have some good friends. I have a lot of good support. And there are opportunities opening up for me. They may not be the biggest opportunities I've wanted. And I also have a job that I can support myself and help my family out. So um, it may not be the job I wanted. But there are things happening that I am proud of and that I can say, okay, you know, maybe it's not all that bad. So when you take a step back and you look at things and look at what God has done for you or anything, if you don't believe in God, then you can just say, look at what has happened so far. You can also see, well, man, life isn't so bad. So Jeremy Lin may think it's rock bottom, but he has already done so many great things that nobody can take away from him. 
So maybe Jeremy Lin needs, needs to uh, to shape up. You know, I don't like him crying a lot, but I understand where he's coming from, and I can relate to it. And I'm sure a lot of you out there, if you dig down deep, you've been at rock bottom before, or you, your life may not be exactly what you want it to be. And this actually brings me to a good quote, a quote that a quote that J.J. Uh, Watt tweeted out. And I don't know if it was a quote that I don't know if it was a quote that he read in a book somewhere or if it was a quote he came up with. But this is a J.J. Watt tweet, and I just had to share it with you guys. He says, confidence isn't, all, isn't walking into a room and thinking you're better than everyone. It's walking in and not having to compare yourself to anyone at all. That's an amazing quote. So you don't have to be better than everyone else to have confidence. Our confidence isn't walking That's arrogance. If you walk into a room thinking you're better than everyone else, that's arrogance. That's not confidence. Confidence really is walking into a room, being yourself, being proud of yourself. And that kind of ties in with what Jeremy Lin. So that quote kind of ties in with this kind of theme of the podcast, which today is just be yourself. Be yourself. Everything else will fall in line. I know it's a cliche. I know people tell you that all the time. It really is true. Be yourself and things will work out. So, um, you know, it may not be on your timeline. It may be on God's timeline or some other timeline. If you don't believe in God, maybe on the universe's timeline or whatever. But things will work out if you're true to yourself. That is something I've learned. That's just a good lesson to know. It's just be confident in yourself. You don't have to compare. You're not ever going to be the best. There's always going to be someone better than you. In Star Wars, in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, when Qui-Gon Jinn, the Liam Neeson's character, he says there's always a bigger fish. There will always be a bigger fish in life. There will always be something you will never be able to obtain. You know, you're just chasing, chasing, chasing. And it's good to chase things. I get that. But it's also good to step back and, and look at what you do have and look at what's going around you because you can drive yourself nuts just constantly chasing things. Your anxiety levels can go up. It's not good for you to just be constantly chasing, chasing, chasing. So this is kind of a life podcast slash sports podcast. I told you guys, my podcasts are a little different. I also talk about life situations, and I just wanted to share that with you because the Jeremy Lin thing and the J.J. Watt quote kind of tied in together to a bigger theme. And so I really just wanted to tell you guys. But now on back to more sports. Well, those are sports things, more sports-related things. So... Sticking on basketball a little bit more, Westbrook, Russell Westbrook was at a press conference, and the biggest takeaway I had was when he talked about Houston, and he said he compared it to kind of L.A. in the summer, how it's a bigger city. You know, Oklahoma City is nothing on Houston. It is only a fraction of the size of Houston. But uh, So Russell Westbrook, you know, he grew up in L.A., so he's used to the big city feel. And so that part of it doesn't really bother him. Houston is kind of, his, you know, he... He's embraced it because he's kind of used to all that. But he does say Houston is hot as hell. And uh, I have to be honest with you, he came in at a really bad time. It is, it is, uh, It was actually cooler when he said that, but now it's starting to heat up again. But it is really hot in Houston right now, and it is also going to be hot in August. Once the basketball season gets around, it won't be that bad here. But with the humidity and heat, i got to be honest with you, Russell, the, 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 it is hot, and it's hotter than Oklahoma City, and that is something he's going to have to get used to. That will probably be the only negative of him coming to Houston is the fact that the weather is pretty bad here. 
But, uh, yeah, he said it was hot as hell, and I just thought everybody in the room busted out laughing. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but at the same time, Daryl Morey didn't want to scare away free agents, so he comes back and says, well, it's actually 70, 70 degrees during the season. So um, he wanted people to know that it's not always hot, and you're playing inside anyway. I mean, basketball isn't one of those things where you really have to worry about weather because you're indoors. You're playing a game indoors, so it's not like baseball. It's not like football. And most baseball stadiums now have indoor stadiums, but it, you know, but it's also just one of those things where you're not really playing out in the elements. So it being hot, it's not that it's not the end of the world. He he can get over it. I'm sure he can afford afford a big house with air condition or a condo or whatever he ends up getting. I feel like he's gonna love it here, and I feel like the city of Houston has already kind of embraced him. So that's cool. Now, skipping to baseball, before we get into wrestling and, 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 uh, and football, I want to say baseball also had some things with the Astros. The Dodgers trade for Astros first baseman Tyler White, who was designated for assignment by Houston. So the Houston Astros, they sent him down, but the Dodgers traded for him. And so now the Dodgers have Tyler White. And Tyler White had a good spurt last year, but other than that, Really hasn't done much. So, here's the thing about Jeff Lunau you need to know. He gives players a window. He gives players a chance to show what they can be. I think Tyler White already showed what he can be. He can have stretches where he can hit the ball really hard. And, uh, and he's, uh, you know, he's a solid first baseman defensively. But he's not that go-to designated hitter type player. He may be a good first baseman or a backup first baseman in the National League team, but as a but as a but on this team and as of right now in the American League, you need your first baseman to have more pop. You need your you need your designated hitter to have more pop, and that's the two positions he was playing. He was playing designated hitter and first baseman, and he was just not consistent. Now last year he had some of his moments that I think he kind of peaked and played really well. But then he kind of leveled back out to what he is, which is an average hitter, pretty good defensive guy, but not going to be your go-to guy in key RBI situations. So, like I said, he had his moments, but he wasn't consistent. And Jeff Lunau kind of saw that, and so he he was fine with the Dodgers trading for him. Maybe the Dodgers see something, and like I said, Tyler White may be a better fit in National League because he doesn't have to have that constant pressure of hitting. Like He can be a – I can see him as a seven-hole guy in the National League where he's just a guy that tries to, uh, you know, keep the inning moving. When the pitcher's coming up in the nine-hole, you know, you want that seven, eight-hole guy. You don't want – they don't have to be great, but they just have to be guys who can, uh, you know, they're going to be pitched to a lot less – I guess not as difficultly when they're in the National League because when you're in the National League and you're a seven, eight hole guy and you know you have that nine hole pitcher coming up, you don't necessarily have to be as aggressive with the seven, eight hole guys. So you can pitch around them. You don't have to really, uh, you know, you don't have to really like, you know, throw it in the strike zone a whole lot. And so I could see Tyler White drawing a lot of walks, you know, extending innings. And being a solid, uh, you know, seven, eight hole guy in the Dodgers lineup if they ever move him up to that point. Now, he may still be in the minor leagues. I don't think he's 
going to move up anytime soon. But if he does, I could see him being a future seven, eight hole guy in the in the National League. Um, not not a great not a great uh, not a great go to hitter guy, but a guy that can you know with the pitcher coming up after him, a guy who's going to uh, be pitched to very carefully, and they're not going to take a lot of chances. And when they do, normally those seven, eight hole guys can sneak up on you and have some good at bats because they're not really concerned with those type of guys because they're usually concerned about uh, okay well if we if we if we get him out that's great but it's not important because the pitcher's coming up and we can we know we can get him for sure out on the pitcher because that's the thing about the National League there's not as many runs scored it's just a different it's a different set of like rules when you play in the National League you think about it differently with the pitcher coming up so he may be a better National League guy but in the American League, he just did. You have to be able to hit in the American League, no matter where you are, one through nine, especially on this Astros team. And he was just inconsistent. And I will say this: a guy who the Astros got from the Dodgers earlier this year was Jordan Alvarez. So Jeff Lunhow knows what he's doing. And if you look at it like this, like the Astros traded Jordan for Tyler White, well, that's kind of what happened in a sense. And the Astros definitely won that exchange, I think. I know it's still early with Jordan, but the man has been great. And Tyler White has been a down year, and Jordan has just skyrocketed this year and honestly could be rookie of the year if he came up a little bit sooner. I mean, the Astros didn't get him until later in the season, but the way he's playing now, I mean, he may make a a, a late case for rookie of the year just because – of what he's done in the short in the, in the amount of time he's been up, he's been great. And the Astros got him from the Dodgers system, so it's almost like a straight trade. Jordan for Tyler White, and I think if we had to sit back and judge it, I think we would say the Astros won that. Jeff Lunho strikes again. I do want to say that is probably it for baseball, other than the fact that the Astros are working hard to complete a trade for Mets starting pitcher Zach Wheeler. So, I know guys, I said that they were on the they were almost about to get uh Noah Syndergaard or they were working to get Noah Syndergaard. But uh the only way for that to happen is if Jeff Lunau trades Kyle Tucker or probably even Force Whitley. He's going to have to trade a lot of his pieces to get a guy like Noah Syndergaard. And Jeff doesn't want to do that. I've told you guys before, this is why I think Noah Syndergaard will probably go to the Brewers or a team that's actually willing to trade pieces because that's just not how Jeff Lunau works. And sometimes it can be frustrating. And sometimes you look around and you're like, man, just make this trade happen so the Astros can win now. Listen, the Astros could still very well win again this year, and they're going to be set for the future with these prospects coming in. Now, I know Kyle Tucker hasn't exactly impressed me in the major league level. I know he's impressed some people, but for me, Kyle Tucker hasn't really been up to what everyone has kind of made him out to be. But at the same time, uh, you never know. I mean, he could take off. He could. He has the intangibles. You see how he swings the bat. You see when he makes contact, the exit velocity is really good. He's just been really unlucky at times when he makes those when he makes contact, it doesn't exactly it, it gets hit right to somebody. It's kind of unlucky how it works out for him. But I'm saying 
maybe Jeff wants to give him more time, and that's probably why he's doing I'm not going to doubt Jeff Lunau because he's been the greatest thing to happen to Houston sports in a long time. It's him coming – him, you know, being the GM and working with the Astros and building his system. You know, his farm club is still probably the best farm system out there and one of the best, if not the best. So I don't want to doubt the guy. I don't want to just – go away from what he's done but at the same time I do want to win now so it is frustrating but uh, Zach Wheeler is another option he may not be like I said he's not he's not going to be like Noah Syndergaard that's going to impress you all like that but he may be a solid choice for the Astros and I'm looking up his numbers right now just to kind of get a feel for what uh, for, for what he's done so far in this league 40 wins, 36 losses, and 3.89 ERA. And this year he's kind of struggled with a 7 wins, 6 losses, and a 4.71 ERA. So not exactly something that pops out to you. He has played 5 years all with the Mets. And like I said, he hasn't been great for the Mets. But a change of scenery might be a good thing. Now, looking at his overall, I guess, strikeout numbers here this year, He's a pretty good strikeout guy. He only has 34 walks and 137 strikeouts. So the Astros like a high strikeout to low walk guy. I mean, that's a pretty good ratio if you ask me. So 137 strikeouts to 34 walks, that's not bad at all. And the Astros can work with that. I mean, they can work with a high strikeout guy. They can make it work. Like, this guy doesn't have to be... This guy's not going to be Noah Syndergaard if the Astros get him. But this guy could be a back-end rotation guy, which is what they need. They need a number five guy. They really do. I mean, they need something. I I say they need a number three guy for the playoffs, and I don't know if Zach Wheeler is that guy. But uh, he can at least be a solid back-end rotation guy and help the Astros get through the stretch of the season. The Astros just don't want to give up a lot. And so if they don't give up a lot, they're not going to get a lot. They're going to get guys like Zach Wheeler. But think about it. You get a guy like Zach Wheeler, he may end up being like a Charlie Morton. He may end up being a guy that comes in here to uh, to Brett Strom's system, who's the pitching coach for the Astros, uh, and he may learn how to you know, get his spin rate up, and he may learn how to uh, capitalize on his strengths. And that's what Brett Strom can do. He can double down on your strengths and make you into a pitcher, a deadly strikeout pitcher, with uh, just nasty stuff, which he has really capitalized on with the Astros pitching. Like, pitchers come to the Astros. Garrett Cole, even Verlander has learned a lot from Brett Strom. Uh, We know Lance McCullers has benefited. (coughs) We just know when people come here, Charlie Morton especially, they tend to get better. So even though those numbers, like I said, those numbers don't stick out to you like in a positive way right now with Zach Wheeler, he may not be a terrible pickup, especially with, like I said, guys, Jeff, Jeff Lunau. He doesn't want to get rid, get rid of his, 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 you know, his younger guys, his farm system guys, his Kyle Tuckers and Forrest Whitley's. He wants to keep those guys. So he thinks they're going to be really, really good. So he doesn't. He so you got to think of the long game when you're with uh, the the Astros, and that's not a bad thing to think about because I do want my Astros to be good, you know, 10, 15 years down the line. 
I want them to be a really good team down the line. So I understand what he's going for, what he's trying to do. And I appreciate it to an extent. He's really trying the old school way of building from within, which is what you have to do in baseball. You can't always make the free agent deals like football and, uh, and basketball, especially. Basketball is all about free agency and trades and all that. Baseball is more of a, you can only kind of, you can only do so much with trades and free agency. The rest, you do have to build from within, through the draft, through the farm system. It's so important in the farm system in baseball, and that's what uh, Jeff Lunau's really under, really kind of grasped. So, now on to some football stuff here, and I do want to poke some fun at uh, at the Cowboys. And also poking fun at the Texans. The Texans really haven't done much, but the Cowboys especially. So we really don't know if he's going to play next year or not. We really don't know that. And we know he deserves a lot of money. And I've said this a bunch of times. Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the Cowboys by far. I mean, he is the go-to guy. DeAndre Hopkins now is the best player on the Texans. And Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the Cowboys. I think every Cowboys and Texans fan can agree to those two things I just said. But here's the thing with Ezekiel Elliott that would never happen with DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is not about the drama, man. He just wants to go out and play. Ezekiel Elliott is always in off-the-field stuff. We see him at concerts. We see him with just, uh, you know, shoving people and just getting violent and being places where he's not supposed to be and making a scene. We see that with Ezekiel Elliott. We don't really see that with DeAndre Hopkins. The biggest thing with DeAndre Hopkins is that he uh, he dated like Iggy Azalea for like one day, and then it didn't work out, and then so something happened with that, and they ended it, and it was like a whole thing. But then that was only for like a couple days, like last summer. It was not even that big of a storyline. Ezekiel Elliott seems to be in the headlines all the time, and here he is again with the money thing. And, you know, Dak Prescott handled it perfectly at the press conference. He's saying, well, I'm not really going to get into it. I've talked to him a little bit, yada, yada, but I know he's got the right thing in mind for him and his family and all that. So Dak Prescott was very professional. If I was the quarterback of that team, I would probably be a little upset that, you know, my star running back doesn't want to play for the Cowboys, doesn't want to help out, needs to put this drama aside because the football season is right around the corner. We're almost in August. I mean, August is coming up. And preseason games are about to start. So before you know it, it's football season. You know, he's getting to dangerous territory. Him not being at camp is when you get to late July, early August, it starts to worry people. And it should worry people because it gets, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty here. And as you know, uh, when you look around in all Texas towns and all towns everywhere, High school kids are starting to report to workouts. High school kids are starting to, well, they've probably already done summer workouts all summer, but high school kids are starting to get the pads, starting to go out and actually do two-a-days if they still do that, and starting to do you know conditioning and getting ready for the season. This is prime time. This late July, early August is prime time for football. And everybody in Texas knows that. It is football season in Texas. And Ezekiel Elliott is getting the hothead, and uh, he is officially a non-report to camp. And he can be fined by the CBA. So, he can be fined. Uh, Jerry Jones uh, is not happy about it, obviously. 
And here's the thing. I know I know it kind of comes back to this, but Ezekiel Elliott, he obviously thinks he's, you know, the best running back out there. And he may have a he may have a choice, or he may have a thing for that. And I know a lot of people think like that, like Le'Veon Bell last year was so high on himself, and we don't even know what he's going to do this year. You know, you go a whole season without uh, without football, and you start to worry. Like, it's you take a break from football for a whole season, I really don't know how good you're going to be. But we'll see. I mean, Le'Veon Bell may still be really good. But if Ezekiel Elliott goes the Le'Veon Bell route, the Cowboys can replace him. Now, I know Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the Cowboys, but coming back to this, this is America's team. This is the number one franchise in the NFL as far as revenue, as far as marketing. It is still America's team. If you turn on uh, Fox, that's all you see is the Cowboys. If you turn on ESPN, that's all you see is Cowboys and Longhorns. That's it. That's literally all they talk about this time of year. Dallas Cowboys, Texas Longhorns, what are they doing? So... There's a reason for that. It's because people love the Dallas Cowboys. There are young kids everywhere, running backs everywhere, even unrestricted free agents. I said this when I was talking about Melvin Gordon. Running back position, even though Ezekiel Elliott, let's say Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back in the league. In my opinion, a running back isn't that valuable in the NFL anymore. I know the way the Cowboys do it. Uh, They need that good running back. But they made DeMarco Murray look good. Let's take a step back. They made DeMarco Murray look like one of the best running backs of all time when he was here, when he was with Dallas. So they don't really – Ezekiel Elliott, as good as he is, and I think he is ten times better than DeMarco Murray. Don't get me wrong. But the Cowboys don't need that drama, and he's always bringing in drama. So I'm not a big fan of of that type of guy – who may be really good and may be the best player on the team, but I would say this about DeAndre Hopkins. If he started talking crap about the Texans and saying, hey, I need this, I need that, I need this, I would probably believe him because the Texans are a garbage franchise and they really don't uh, have the same pool the Dallas Cowboys do, but you get my point. If you have an established franchise like the Cowboys and you have you know, all that luxury that comes with being a Dallas Cowboys – it was the same thing with the Steelers when Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of people who want to play for Pittsburgh. And uh, James Conner came in and showed everybody why Le'Veon Bell wasn't that needed. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was great, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are still going to be pretty good. They still have James Conner. They still have Big Ben. And they still have Juju Smith-Schuster. So, people can be replaced in football. Football is one of those football is one of those sports where you know you have a 53-man roster. You have 11 players on the field at the same time, uh, more than any other sport. You know, baseball you have nine, basketball you have five, football you have 11 guys on the field at the same time, and 22 total. 11 guys on one team. 22 total. So there is a lot of variables, and there's a lot of guys that can just do their role. I mean, we talk about role players in the NBA. In football, everyone is a role player, except for maybe a receiver uh, that goes out and makes crazy plays, or maybe, you know, you could see 
a quarterback that has to just go out of his way and be a superstar. But really, like nine out of the nine out of the eleven positions, or maybe ten out of the eleven positions on the field, especially on offense, they're all role players. They're just doing their role. The quarterback calls the play, and then they do the play. The quarterback is the guy who's making plays. Everyone else is a role player, filling in, doing their thing, blocking their guy, running their route, uh, you know, taking the handoff, doing whatever they have to do. That 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 that's football. That's that's it. You buy into the system. You're a team player. And if you're not a team player and you're looking out for yourself, that doesn't really that doesn't really go with football. That doesn't really connect with me. So Ezekiel Elliott, you are replaceable. And and Cow and the Cowboys fans, they shouldn't be worried about it because Ezekiel Elliott, whether he comes back or not, with that offensive line, I think the Cowboys will be all right. I really do. And as much as I like Zeke, and I do think he's the best player on the team, but no one is bigger than that Dallas Cowboys star. And as much as I hate Jerry Jones, he knows that. He knows that he's inherited, you know, not inherited, but however he got it. He bought out the best franchise, and he knows that players want to play for him. So, sorry about you, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think I'm on your side on this. You know, whether you get paid or not, I know you're getting paid a lot either way to play football. Um, You probably shouldn't be nitpicky. You probably should just enjoy the ride. And I think money will work itself out if you're willing. It's funny. It's funny. The players that don't fuss a lot and actually, you know, know their role and play their role are actually the players where things just kind of work out for them as far as endorsements, as far as being able to you know, do what you want to do um, and make enough money to support yourself a lot of, make a lot of money playing and be locked up by a team and a team starts to reward you. Teams in football, they reward you if you're a team player. The owners will reward you. The quarterback will reward you. I mean, if you're a team player, things just seem to work out for you. So Ezekiel Elliott needs to come back to, to reality and he just needs to realize he's always in the headlines and sometimes a negative way. He may just need to bite the bullet and just play it out with, you know, play what his contract says. Play it out and stop trying to get that extension. Stop trying to get more money and just see, just see where it goes. The Texans are signing a safety, Tyvis Powell, who I don't really know what it is, who he is. And I don't really want to get into it, but I looked at his stats and he's been around since 2016, and he has zero interceptions and 14 tackles. So uh, not exactly a blockbuster uh, signing there. I still don't know how the Texans are signing people. They don't have a GM. So they're basically just getting random people off the streets, I think, and saying, hey, do you want to play? Well, yeah, I played a couple snaps in the NFL. You're in. Literally, like this dude, like 14 tackles in three years. Not good. Zero interceptions. And you're a secondary player. Not good. It was funny. So the Raw, the Raw reunion was uh, was not that long ago in wrestling thing. And it, it was it was not that long ago. And uh, John Cena was on there. And he was talking to the Uso twins, the Uso brothers. So, he, so John Cena was talking about the mugshot and one of them getting arrested. And it turns out that one got arrested... The very like the very next day, right after that that show aired, so it was like John Cena was predicting the future. It's pretty crazy. 
I think John Cena is in the Illuminati now because he's in Hollywood. So John Cena, Illuminati confirmed. I do want to end it with this. This little thing that I thought was just really stupid. And I don't know why you have to, to go all the way. Like, why do you have to do this to just to get married? But it's kind of crazy. I know there's other things you can do. But there was a Houston couple that rides bike for 15 miles on a path. So if you look at Google Math, math and you see the, uh, the maps and you see the path, it actually spells out marry me. So you ride 15 miles on a path just to spell out marry me on, uh, on the maps. And i got to tell you something. I can't ride a bike for 15 miles. I don't think I can ride a bike for two or three miles. I would be dead I would probably only get the M in. There would be mmm, and the girl wouldn't have no idea what we were doing. I would have a heart attack right there. And then as I was recovering from the heart attack in the hospital, she would be coming to visit me. And then as I finally escaped the clutches of death, I would get on one knee and ask her to marry me. That's how I would do it. I would have a heart attack trying to spell this out. And then I would ask the woman of my dreams to marry me. So yeah. You're pretty lucky if you get with me. I'm very creative. Um, I will almost die to get affection. That's really what I'll, I'll do. I'll, I will I will cheat death to get affection from anyone out there. So I'm definitely a catch. Thanks, guys.